there was a Saturday I had a dream, you know, that I was uh, talking to my nephew Darius. And in that dream, I was just, there was just a sure flow of God's word and ministry. You know, I could just feel, you know, when you talk to someone, it's like you could just know that God is in that conversation. And as I was speaking to him, God came and embraced me and assured me an assurance that he's always been with me and that he's my father, that he's been watching over me, that he has loved me always. The Lord entered into uh, Martha's house, and Martha was busy with a lot of responsibilities and things, cleaning, cooking. Man, the Lord's in my house. I got to get stuff prepared and ready. But Martha, she was at the Lord's feet, or Mary Sorry, I already mentioned Martha. Mary was at the Lord's feet. And Martha looks over at Mary and sees all this stuff and all this responsibility and things and the weight of it, of just needing to get stuff done. But Mary, she chose the best. She chose... that place with the Lord. That's what we got to do. We got to seek that place with God. The Lord told Martha, he said, man, you're full of all this stuff, but Mary has chosen the best. Because if you seek the kingdom of God first, everything else shall be added unto you. If you seek him first, he'll order everything. I knew at that moment that God was my father. That in him I could find all that I needed. In him we can find all that we need. If you could just raise your hand today. He knows what you need. He knows your need today. Whatever need that you have, hallelujah. He's here in this place to fill it. Come on, can you worship him from your heart today? Can you worship him? Can you find that place inside? Father, I worship you, hallelujah, from the depths of my heart, Lord God, the secret places, Father, you know them, hallelujah, come on, lift your hands up right now, come on, lift your voice, praise his name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
worship you. Jesus, we worship. I worship you. It's that special place that he's. It's that special place. Hallelujah. I want from you. Hallelujah. 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 You are worthy. Let's worship him together. Let's worship him together today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just lift your voice to him. Father, I worship you. Hallelujah. By his stripes we are healed, by his nail-pierced hands we're free, by his blood we're washed clean, now we have the victory and the power of sin. And the power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all. He has won our freedom. Jesus has won it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have won the Oh, 
seated in majesty. You are the risen King. Hallelujah. And the power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all. He has won our freedom. Jesus has won it all. And the power of sin is broken. And the power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all. He has won. He has won our freedom. Jesus has won it all. Jesus, you 
you have won it all for me, oh God. Hallelujah. I am free in you, oh God. Jesus, I worship Could we lift our hands across this place and worship him? Amen. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for victory. I am thankful for freedom, for the price that he paid for me, oh God. Hallelujah. Death could not hold you down. You are the risen King. You are seated in majesty. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for coming alive in us today. For making your home in us today where we could be at your feet, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I wonder if we could follow Mary from the scriptures lead and just desire to be with Jesus right now. Just to worship him and embrace being with him and in his presence today. Letting go of every care, of every distraction, and just worshiping our King of Kings. Just worshiping the Lord of Lords that is alive today. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's continue to worship him a little bit longer. Let's entertain his spirit this morning. That's the reason why we're here this morning, because of him. Lord Jesus, we worship you today, Father. We lift you up and exalt your name today, Jesus, because you are good and you are worthy of our praise today. God, I thank you and I worship you, Father. In Jesus' name, I'd like to call a couple ushers up front this morning. Jesus, you are good. How many believe we serve a great God this morning? Can we give him a hand praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be worshipped. I thank you and I praise you, Jesus. I know, I know my God to be a provider today. I know him to be a, my source today. My Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I trust him in everything that I have today because it does not belong to me. It belongs to him. And I recognize that today. Everything from my material stuff to my life, it belongs to him. And I want to give him thanks in that today. I want to worship him. And I want to praise him because he is good. And I trust and I trust and I believe that you believe that he is your provider. And that he is your source. That's why we are here. We need something from him. And he's willing to give it. Are you willing to receive it? Are you willing to receive of him today? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our provider today, Father. You are our source in all things today. Lord, I trust you in everything that I have today because it belongs to you. I, everything that I have belongs to you. My life belongs to you, Jesus. And I desire that you would use it the way that you desire to use it today, Father. That it would all be used for your honor, for your glory, and for your kingdom. I pray over these tithes and offerings today, Jesus, that you would bless them for your kingdom, for your will, for your honor, and for your glory, Jesus, because you are good. I pray that you would open the windows of heaven today and that you would pour out a blessing today, Father, according to your will and your purpose. Jesus, I magnify you and I glorify you today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Ushers, you can go forth. In Jesus' name, let's continue to worship him. Let's worship him. Let's entertain him. He is good. In Jesus' name. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. And I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Oh, I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Though my sorrows, 
Though my sorrows may last for a night, joy comes in the morning. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Oh, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. And I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. Oh, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Though my sorrows may last for a night. Though my sorrows may last for a night, joy comes in the morning. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Oh, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Oh, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my sorrows. And I'm trading my shame. Oh, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. And I'm trading my sickness. And I'm trading my pain. And I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Yes, Lord, we say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Your light broke through my night, restored exceeding joy. Your grace fell like the rain and made this desert live. You have turned my morning into dancing. 
You have turned my sorrow into joy. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. Your hands, your hands lifted me up. I stand on higher ground. Your praise rose in my heart and made this valley sing. You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. You have turned oh, my morning into dancing. You have turned. You have turned my sorrow into joy. This is how we overcome. 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 Jesus. This is how we overcome. 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 This is how we over. You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. This is how we overcome. 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 This is how we over. You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy.
I worship you, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I am uh, marked today. You know, praise and worship's an interesting thing. If you study in the Scripture, you can be seated if you want to. If you study in the Scripture, we find something very interesting about praise and worship. If you go back and you look in the Old Testament and you begin to look at Jews and their worship, and when they would come to the temple, they would often start in a, the word worship itself can even be translated to mean laying flat on the floor, prostrate, laying out flat, face down, and they would often start that way, and then as they would worship, uh, they would move from laying flat on their face to being on their knees with their hands and face on the ground in worship. And then as this worship would continue, and this could sometimes take hour, two hours or more, depending they were worshiping the Lord. And they would go from being on their knees and on their face to then... raise and then they would come to their feet and they would begin to lifting praise and honor and worship to the Lord until ultimately with their hands raised they would then turn their hands as though they were going now Lord to receive you know the scripture it's the reason the scripture says lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting I praise Him. The Scripture teaches us to lift our hands in praise. And so we lift our hands without wrath and without doubting. We worship Him who is worthy of our worship. And there's something about worship that arrests the attention of God. The Scripture teaches us that He inhabits the praises of Israel it's often quoted as he inhabits the praises of his people. And the Lord is here today in a clear and certain way, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful you're here. Amen. It's good to be here on a beautiful Sunday morning with a little less smoke in the air. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to dismiss teachers to their classes. Amen. I would have gotten in trouble this morning. I... I'm looking over here, and I'm thinking, man, I'm glad we finally turned that air conditioner on. I'm going to have to just start turning them on. I know people come in, it's so cold in here. But it changes in a hurry, doesn't it? <laughs> Amen. So, but uh, thank God for his goodness. Amen. We will dismiss children 4 to 11 to their classes downstairs. All children 4 to 11, you can be dismissed. They're going to have a great time today. The Lord's going to minister, I'm certain. Amen and amen. 
Thank you, Lord. What a great God we serve. What a great God we serve. You know, anybody ever gone to a restaurant with somebody else? Maybe you went and had lunch. And uh, you're there at the restaurant, and it's that moment when the check comes. You know what I'm talking about? And maybe the waiter or the waitress comes up and says, one che- will this be one check or two? Anybody ever had that happen? Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest. I've gone with some people, they've just been like. I'm like, oh, they're waiting for me to say one or two is what they're doing. Right? You're laughing because maybe you've been with people like, or maybe you've been that person. I don't know. Right? Let's see if they'll get it before I say anything. But uh, I've, uh, you know, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's what he said. And, uh, but sometimes I've been in those situations and there's been this little back and forth, right? No, I got, no, let me get it. No, really. You ever been in that, right? And they're like, man, fine. Okay, go ahead or no, whatever, right? Sometimes we, we struggle to receive. Our human nature uh, sometimes struggles to receive. And, and there's many reasons. Um, one of the biggest reasons that we often hear in our humanity for not receiving is, is what? What's one of the big reasons why people won't receive? Pride. Yeah, pride creeps in, right? right I can't take that from you, pride. Yeah. And then there's this this challenge to receiving that says I don't deserve it. You ever been there? I don't deserve it. I want to give you some revelation this morning, okay? Here's revelation. There isn't anything you get from God. That you and I deserve. That's called mercy. If we got what we deserve. We would not be here. You understand. If you and I got what we deserve. We would not be here. It is because the Bible says it is because of the mercies of God that we are not consumed. If we were left to our own devices and we got what we deserve for our choices and our actions toward God and in relationship to God and in violation of his word and his will for our life. There's not a one of us that would be here. But thank God we don't get what we deserve. Amen. 
I'm thankful I don't get what I deserve. I'm thankful for his mercies. By the way, the scripture says his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. Now, as a child of God, once you've been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can stop living in mercy. We've talked about this before, where you're always just depending on his mercy. Oh, I need his mercy again. And we always need his mercy. But when we're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Hebrews calls the gift of the Holy Ghost the spirit of grace. And so now grace dwells within us, the very spirit of God that is grace. And now what I could not do in my own ability by myself, by his spirit dwelling in me, I now have grace. And grace enables me or empowers me to do what I cannot do myself. That's the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not good. He's good. And when he fills me with his spirit, and now I yield and let him work through my life, now I do good. But it's not me that does it. It's him working through me. That's the spirit of grace enabling me to do what I cannot do myself. Does that make sense this morning? So Don't buy into this stuff about grace means do whatever you want and it doesn't matter. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. It's an absolute lie. Grace enables us to do what we could not do ourselves. Now, I didn't plan on all that, but there we are. So now that we've settled the fact that we learn to receive not because we deserve, but because God is good. And He desires, the Father desires to give good gifts to His children. Amen? I believe that God wants to give today. I really do. I can look across this room, and just as we were worshiping, and I, I, for those of you that are newer and maybe don't know, I hope it doesn't seem strange. I'm over here in this corner a lot, and you may see me watching and looking, and I... Uh, I don't think I'm a weird person, but some of you may disagree, but um, I try not to be a weird person, let me say it that way. Well, some days. My wife and kids might say otherwise, but, but there are times where spiritually needs and circumstances can be perceived as we're worshiping, and I see needs this morning, and I know a God that is present to give. Now, for him to give, we must be willing to receive. Got to be willing to receive. And we've got to, you know, we mentioned earlier the difficulty with receiving sometimes is pride. And pride is, I don't want to, often is, I don't want to acknowledge that I have a need. Right? That's probably one of the big elements of pride. I don't want to acknowledge I have a need. And so, if we can press beyond that, and if we can press beyond, and, and it's really pride that says, I don't deserve, uh, and let God work. I believe what he would do here before we leave would glorify him. 
and would impact our lives. I want him to do that, don't you? I'd like you right there where you're sitting. Before we go any further, could we agree together in prayer for what the Holy Ghost wants to do in our midst this morning? Would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus Christ, we can do nothing without you. Come on, talk to him from your heart. Talk to him from your heart. Jesus, we need you. We need you. We can do nothing of ourselves. But with you, all things are possible. You know our frame. You understand us from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. You desire to give good gifts. You know every need represented in this room. You know the thoughts of every man and every woman in this room. You know the desires of the heart. You know what is needful and necessary in every life. And you are God and you are able to supply. You are able to minister to the need. Not what I think I need, but what you, Lord Jesus, know I need. I submit to you. I humble myself before you this morning. I humble myself before you this morning. I acknowledge my need of you, Lord Jesus. I need you. I need the ministry of your spirit and your word in my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Would you go with me in the word of the Lord to the book of Genesis this morning? Genesis chapter number 1. Genesis chapter number 1. I'm going to try to move quickly for sake of a foundation. We were in prayer yesterday morning. A group of men here, as we often gather on Saturday morning, one of my favorite times of the week. And, uh, and the presence of God that came in was so powerful and so beautiful and precious. and Just such a ministering of His Spirit to my spirit. I was so thankful for that. And as I went through my day... Man, the Lord just seemed like he just stayed that close all day. It was so precious to me. He woke me up early this morning. and I just feel the nearness of the Lord. He's not far from every one of us. The word says that in Acts 19. He's not far from every one of us. We just have to feel after him, the Bible says. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Skip down to verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Skip down to verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together to one place. And let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, 
And the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. Verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Skip down to verse 16. And God, everybody say God. Everybody say God. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them. Watch. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good now I don't know what it does for you reading those verses And many of you are waiting, going, where's he going? Ding, ding. I want you to see these verses that we can just skip past if we're not careful. That are so, there's a reason it's at the very beginning of the word. Sometimes we need to be reminded of who God is. And what he's done. Before there was anything. God existed. The scripture says of the Lord. That he is from everlasting. To everlasting. Now you and I in our humanity cannot comprehend that. Because we only think in spaces of time. How many of you have a calendar that you work off of? A lot of us. How many of you like your calendar? How many of you get a little concerned when you can't get to your calendar? We, it, why? Because we operate in time. We measure in time. How many of you had a birthday this year? Look at that. How many of you have one before the year's over? That's the plan, right? Amen. Right? We measure everything in time. And so we can't fathom a God that existed before time. In Genesis 1, when it says, in the beginning God, it means in the beginning of time. The Bible starts for us, in the beginning God created He created time. Time began at Genesis 1. 
But you understand, and we have to understand, God existed before Genesis 1. Or else he could have never... Makes sense, right? He is from everlasting to everlasting. And this God that we serve, this God that we worship this morning... This God that we praise, that we cry out to, that we praise to, that we sing to. This God said, let there be light. And there was light. This God said, let there be dry land come out of the firmament. And the earth was created. And he said, let the seas come together. And he determined where the sea stopped And where the earth started. And at his word it all came to be. And set in place. This God said. Let there be a great light to rule the day. And a lesser light to rule the night. And he took the sun. And he set it in its place. And he took the moon. And he set it in its place. And it doesn't even seem right. That there's only five words. In all of creation. But it says. He made the stars also. Billions of stars that man can't number or count or even begin to fathom, they keep finding them. But at the utterance of the word of my God, my God, He made the stars. You ever stood outside in a dark night and looked up? It's one of my favorite things in the world to do. I don't know why. I guess because it gives me another appreciation for him again. And I can't can't do it without thinking of him and being overwhelmed at his majesty and his glory and his splendor and his greatness and his power. And so I'm really glad the smoke cleared out a little bit on Thursday night. And I I just wanted to be, I, I was outside looking up. God did this. Now, you understand, he that cometh to God, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he that cometh to God must first believe that he is. He that cometh to God must first believe that he is. Sometimes we need the Spirit of the Lord to stir us again. And we need the Word of God to stir us again, to renew in us and remind us He is God. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or even think according to His power that works in us, the Scripture says. He is God. He has no limits. He is not... Troubled by anything. He's not worried about anything. He's not surprised by anything. He's not caught off guard by anything. Now some of you are listening here and I'm praying that God would bring that to your situation. God's not shocked by where you are. You may have got news that troubles you. It does not trouble God. You may have things that are concerning you this morning. I'm here to tell you, it does not concern God. He's not worried about it. He's not troubled about it. He's not thinking, I don't know what I could do about this situation. He's God. 
He's God. I, I know this is so simple, but we need a fresh revelation and an imparting of a word of faith by the Spirit of God. A recognition somehow in my small, finite mind to realize you're still God. You've not changed. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You who spoke the worlds into existence, you know my very frame. You know where I am today. You've numbered the hairs upon my head. You've called me by name and you care about me. God. Now watch. It's interesting to me, the book of Job. Everybody know the story of Job? Maybe, yeah. Went through some stuff, didn't he? Job had a rough go. Lost all of his children. Lost all of his possessions. He was a very wealthy man, the scripture lets us to know. In terms of material goods. But he was extremely wealthy in terms of his relationship with God. He lost his material wealth. So the world came to tell him everything he'd done wrong and what his problems were. His friends came to tell him what his problem was, how he'd made mistakes, how he'd sinned, how he'd been unrighteous, all the reasons why he was dealing with all this loss materially. Job was still rich because he maintained his integrity and in his relationship with God. And so Job has lost all these things. Anybody ever lost stuff? Ever lost something? You ever gone through a storm or a test or a trial and wondered what in the world's going on? Why me, God? Am I the only one that's ever dealt with that? You ever faced a situation, a circumstance that you just didn't know what to do and you seemed overcome by it? Look, we're human. We're in a room filled with human beings. Job lost everything. He still had his wife, thank the Lord. She gets a bad rap sometimes, but it's easy to forget she lost all her children too. She just voiced her frustration. And when she voiced her frustration, Job, recognizing how dangerous it could be to speak negativity, even in a situation of great loss, said to her, you speak as a foolish woman. He wasn't cutting her down. He was trying to help her understand. The moment you begin to speak contrary to something that our great God's in control of, that's foolish. She was hurting. She spoke from her place of hurt. Thank God she had a husband that had a relationship with God that was willing to say, hold on, we're not going to talk like that. We're not going to talk like that. The Lord brought us into this world naked and he'll take us out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job said, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. Job knew who God was. Job had a relationship with God. I feel the spirit of God reaching to many of you this morning. I know some situations, there's some I have no clue of. But I feel the spirit of God. This is what began to happen to me sitting over here in men's prayer yesterday morning. I felt God beginning to deal with me about who he was. 
and about how great he was and how powerful he was. And he began to deal with me about, do you think something's hard for me? Do you think that's difficult for me to deal with? Do you think I'm unaware of that situation that you're bringing to my attention? Are you concerned that I'm not able to do something about it? He began to deal with me about his greatness and his goodness and his ability. And I feel the Spirit of God desiring in us this morning to display to us who he is. And to recognize he's still God. He's not lost any power, any place, any position, any authority. He's still God. You don't have a circumstance that's hard for him. You don't have a situation that's difficult for him. You aren't going through something that is hard for him to know what to do. You're not walking through a valley that's got him confused or worried or or wondering what should he do. There's nothing you and I are facing that God is troubled about. He knows your frame. He knows where you are. And he's well able. And hear me this morning, someone. God has not lost control. God's not out of control. He's not lost control. The adversary hasn't outdone him. God is still able. God is still able. Someone please hear this morning. God is still able. He's still God. He's still God. If he can set the sun, the moon, and the stars in place, if he can cause the ocean to stop at a certain point, he can surely deal with my circumstance. He can surely deal with your circumstance. God is still able. If he can speak. How many of you woke up this morning early and it wasn't daylight yet? Anybody? A few of you. Did you wake up and go, oh man. I sure hope the sun comes up today or it's going to be a terrible day. When's the last time you woke up worrying about the sun rising? Anybody? When's the last time you woke up worried about, you know, we're in Washington and you know there's the ocean. There's a big, huge ocean over here on the coast. Anybody knew that? When's the last time you woke up worrying about, man, I don't know what's keeping that ocean from just coming further in and just washing us all away. You ever worried about that? Who holds the ocean at its place and tells it where to stop? Who causes the sun to... Now you say, oh, the sun just comes up. That's just what it does. Who causes it to do that so consistently? I'll tell you who. The very same one that on a day the people of God were fighting a battle against the adversary and the sun was about to go down because it was the way God had said it to be. But a man of God named Joshua saw that the enemy was defeated and he needed a little bit more daylight. And so Joshua, who believed in God, stopped in the battle, lifted his voice to God and said, Son! Stand still. And we read in the word of God that the very God who put the sun in place at the word of his servant crying out in faith, God caused the sun to stand still. And it did not go down about the space of a full day until Israel had defeated its enemy. The very one that put it in place can cause it to stop. Our God. It's the same God that the sun that always comes up and goes down on a set clock. Hezekiah 
had been told by the prophet of God, prepare yourself, get your house ready, you're going to die. And the prophet walked out of King Hezekiah's house. He turned his face toward the wall and cried out to God and said, God, give me more time. Don't take my life. Give me a little longer before you take me from this life. And the prophet hadn't even got out of the courtyard. And God said, go back in and talk to the king. The prophet turns around and comes back in to the king. And he says, God has heard your request. How can he prove to you that he'll add 15 years to your life? And the king said, make him cause the sun on the sundial to go backwards 15 degrees. Do something that's impossible for nature to do. Make the sun that has always maintained its cycle, make it go backwards 15 degrees. And the prophet said, it'll be so. And at the cry of a man to the wall, who was actually crying out to God, God who set the sun in place, caused it to move backwards 15 degrees and changed time at the cry of one man. I'm telling you today, he is still God. Now that may seem simple, and it is, but I, want, I feel the Holy Ghost wanting to do something in your faith and mine. We don't serve some false idea in the sky. We don't serve some mythological creature that man has created. We serve the living God who set the earth in place. We serve the living God who put the stars where they belong. We serve the living God who is able to do anything that he so chooses I would today, we would turn our eyes upon him. Job was going through a circumstance that I would dare say is probably greater than anything you and I have faced in our life. I would imagine it's safe to say he was troubled. I'd imagine it's safe to say that he was, well we know, we can read it in the scripture. He was praying, talking to the Lord, he said... It would have been better for me if I would have never been born. It's a pretty low place. Why did you even bring me into this world? Why did you even create me? He was saying things like that to God. And his friends come and begin to try to tell him all the stuff. You know, when you're going through something... You get news you don't like. You face situations you don't understand. We need to be careful as children of God. Sometimes we think we're friends and we're trying to explain to people why they're going through what they're going through. Now, if you get a word from the Lord, that's one thing. We need to be careful about trying. Well, you know, did you do this? Have you repented? Have you? This is sort of what his friends were saying to Job. You must have sinned. You must have done this. You must have done that. You must. What were they doing? They were sort of throwing darts at the wall and seeing if something would stick. They didn't have a clue what was going on. Read the book of Job. They didn't have a clue what was going on. They weren't helping the matter, to be honest. Job is going through all these things, searching his heart, pouring himself out, responding to his friends. God is just sitting back, if you will, watching, listening. Hearing, seeing these conversations taking place while Job is going through the greatest trial of his life. And finally, God shows up and decides, Job, I have some things to say to you. Now watch. 
Job chapter 37, verse 23. These were the last few words here of, I believe it was Elihu that was speaking here at the end of chapter 37 of Job, verse 23. Here where he declares his truth. He said, touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power. Anybody believe he's excellent in power? And in judgment. That word judgment there means his decision making. Like when you said, somebody says they, they don't make good judgment. That's talking about his decision making. He's excellent in power and in his decision making. Sometimes we look at our circumstances and say, man, why did God? Let, I'm not sure God. No, he's excellent in his decision. Just as sure as he's almighty, just as sure as he's excellent in power, he is excellent in his judgment. And in plenty of justice, he will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. It's pride. Worldly wisdom. Now skip to verse, or not skip, just continue to verse 38. 37 chapters the Lord has listened to this conversation while Job has been in his plight. And you know, sometimes, all the time, when you, are, you and I are going through something, facing life circumstances and situation, troubling news, troubling matters in life, things that aren't going our way, we can take 37 chapters to say our stuff. God's just sitting waiting to tell us some things. I've been guilty of that. I, I do find something interesting. I don't. This might sound humorous. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to throw jabs, okay? Don't misunderstand me this morning. Job, where I referenced when his wife said, you should just curse God and die. And Job said to her, you speak as a foolish woman speaketh. Now, again, she gets a bad rap. I don't think so. Again, she also lost everything. She lost all of her children. I can't imagine a grieving mother. I don't think Job was saying, you're a fool, right? Some people, I don't think so. I think, as a, I think he was a husband who loved her, cared for her, took care of her. But he was telling her, hey, the things you're saying, those are foolish things. Don't say them. Here's what I find interesting about him correcting that and cutting that off. You don't find her speaking anything else in the rest of the book of Job. Do I believe she was still there? Absolutely, she was still there. She was still there because we get to the end of the book and they had more children. But she recognized, I can't communicate these things outwardly. Thank God for someone in her life that would help her see the power of her words. Hear me today. When you and I are going through something, there's power in our words. How we speak about it matters. 
it expresses our faith or lack thereof. Hear me. It expresses our faith or lack thereof. Verse 38, or chapter 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now this is the Lord speaking. And he's trying to give Job some understanding. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Now that's King James English. The Lord is saying, Who are you that says dark things and you you clearly don't have the knowledge of what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. That's what he's saying. The Lord's asking, who are you to give counsel when you don't even know what you're talking about? He wasn't just talking to Job. He was talking to his friends. They were all listening. But he was answering Job. Verse 3, again, keep in mind, the Lord is still speaking here. Gird up your loins like a man, for I will demand of you, and you answer me now. They'd been asking the Lord questions. He said, now I'm going to ask you some things and you answer me. Where were you? Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare to me if you have understanding of that. Who laid the measures thereof, if you know? Or who stretched the line upon it? Where are the foundations fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it broke forth as it had issued out of the womb. Job, where were you? Where were you when the earth was created? Where were you when the stars were hung in place? Job, where were you? Were, were you there? Were you the one that stretched out a line that caused the sea to stop? Where you see the Lord asking Job these questions. What is, and you can keep reading through this. The Lord just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. What was he doing? He was trying to bring Job out of his circumstance and bring him back to his focus on God who is well able. Job had been so consumed with grief and, and the grief and the noise of his friends and their negativity and their questioning and all of this stuff. And so he even found himself questioning God. And finally, God steps in and spoke and says questions for you, Job. See if you can answer these things. Tell me this, Job. Skip down to verse 16. Have you entered into the springs of the sea? Or have you walked in the search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened to you? Have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if you know it all, Job. Where is the way where light dwells? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? See what we just read in Genesis 1, creation. See what the Lord is doing with Job. He's trying to help this human being understand. Job. You've lost great things. You're going through a great trial. 
But Job, that doesn't mean I've lost any power. I've lost any ability. I'm unaware. Job, if you're questioning me, the adversary's trying to get a stronghold in your mind. Don't question me, Job. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm at. I'm excellent in power. I'm excellent in judgment. I've got plenty of justice. Job, I know what I'm doing. Were you in any of these places? And of course, the answer was no. Lord, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I can't explain any of this. You're greater than I can even fathom. The things you do are beyond what I can comprehend. You're God. I'm not. You're God. I'm not. Anybody ate an apple this past week? A few of you. It's a good time to be getting apples. I think I've shared this before, but. It's worth sharing again. I have a question. Who made that apple? Really, who, who made the apple? Like, I mean, who, who planted the first apple tree? You say, well, I don't know. who. Where'd they get the seed to plant the seed for the first apple tree? We just read it in Genesis. The tree bearing fruit after its kind. You read that? You understand the God that we serve spoke. And when he spoke, an apple tree grew. And in that apple tree, on that apple tree, no surprise, there were See, this is simple, isn't it? There were apples. And inside that apple, there were seeds. Yes? And those seeds from that apple could be taken and put in the ground. And they would do what? Grow. And they would create a what? An apple tree. And on it would be more And in all of those apples would be more. And all of those seeds could be taken and put in the ground. I don't know what that does for you. That blows my mind. I can't drive through the lower valley without thinking about that verse. I see all those apple trees after apple trees after apple trees. And I think in the beginning, God said. Do you know they grow apple trees in Wisconsin? Did you know they have apple trees in Italy? Do you know they grow apples all over the world? Now, that may not shock you. It doesn't shock me anymore. But one Word from God. And every fruit bearing tree that you see where you can take the seed and put it in the ground and it produce again. Where did it start from? But he can't handle your circumstance. He's greater. He's God. He is God. 
He is God. In Matthew 14, we find a very familiar passage of Scripture. I think it's Matthew 14. It is. I'll read swiftly. Matthew 14, verse number 22. Straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship, that's the ship with all the disciples, was now in the middle of the sea, and it was tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. Now, you know, we get this picture sometimes, Jesus walking on water. We get this picture, it's a smooth, glassy lake of water, and he just sort of went across smooth water and walked across. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the ship was tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary, and Jesus went walking on the sea. He wasn't walking on a smooth, glassy water surface. He was walking on a sea that was tumultuous with waves. He went walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and they said, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Understand, they were afraid. The ship was being turned and tossed. They thought they were going to lose their life. You ever been in one of those situations? I don't mean on a boat, but you think like, I just don't know if I'm going to make it out of this. Really? One of those situations where I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. That's where they were. Their situation. They looked and they saw Jesus. They didn't realize it was Jesus. The Bible says they thought it was a spirit. They even spoke it out. They probably thought it was a spirit of death coming to get them. Some of you see things and you start forming pictures and ideas in your mind, you need to get back in the Word and get your eyes turned. They thought it was a spirit, and they cried out in fear. They didn't cry out in faith. How do you cry out when you're in the midst of trouble? Makes a difference. They cried out in fear. Watch verse 27. But straightway, oh yes, Jesus spoke to them. Saying, be of good cheer. (laughs) Right. Don't you love it when you're in the midst of a storm and Jesus says something like, cheer up. You're going through a trial, a test. Life is beating you down. Fill in the blank with whatever you're serving. And Jesus says, cheer up. Be of good cheer. Is that what it says? Be of good cheer, he said, it is I. Don't be afraid. Somebody needs to hear that today. Don't be afraid.
Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Now, I like this next part, verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, then you ask me to come to you on the water. This is so beautiful to me, verse 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I have a question for you. Did the storm stop? Did the waves stop? Did the wind stop? When Jesus said, Peter, come, did he make everything perfect for Peter? Nothing changed except Peter stopped looking at the storm and started looking to Jesus. And Peter decided, if there's a storm, I'd rather be where Jesus is than in something man-made. I'll get out of the boat. I've got more confidence in where he is than in what man made. And he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And Peter stopped looking at the storm. And Peter started looking to Jesus. Somebody's getting an answer right now, I believe. He stopped looking at the storm. The adversary always wants us to focus on the storm. I, I want someone, please, here. turn your eyes on him. He's still God. His power has not waned. He's not grown weak. He's not lost control. He's not gotten in trouble. He's not forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten where you are. He knows what you're facing and going through. He knows the circumstance. And He's still God. He's still able to do what we could never do ourselves. He's still God. He's still God. He's still God. Peter got out of the boat, but watch, verse 30. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and he began to sink. And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Stand with me this morning, please. Peter was as human as you and I. He had human emotions. He dealt with reality the same way you and I have to deal with reality of life. He spoke in faith when he heard the voice of the Lord. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of the Lord. And so he heard the word of the Lord say, it is I, be not afraid. And so he went from being one of those that cried out in fear. After he heard the word of the Lord, he then cried out in faith and said, Lord, if it's you, then ask me to come. And the Lord did. And Peter, in faith, 
Some of you this morning, you're going to have to take some steps of faith today. In faith, Peter stepped out of a boat onto a raging sea. We can read that and we can pass over that. How much faith did it take to step out of that boat? I mean, think about that. If this is water and it's big waves and you're getting ready to go. You got faith, you're going to put your foot down and you're not going to sink? Some of you are like me right now. You're thinking about it and you go, I don't, man, I can't even fathom doing that, right? Peter had the faith. He went from being one of those that cried out for fear that once he heard the voice of God. I pray this morning that someone is hearing the voice of God. Because when you hear the voice of the shepherd, that which was a cry of fear can become a cry of faith. That which was a cry in fear and doubt can become a cry of faith and hope. And Peter cried out in faith and said, Jesus, bid me to come where you are. I'm not satisfied where I am. I don't have any hope in where I am. Ask me to come to where you are. And he took a step of faith. Some of you, you're going to take a step of faith today. And the temptation is going to be when you take a step of faith, you think, man, I hope that makes everything change. It doesn't necessarily mean everything changes in the moment. The mistake Peter made wasn't that he stepped out of the boat. The mistake that he made was that he, once he got out of the boat, he turned his eyes back on the storm again. He took them off Jesus again. And the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink. Thank God he had the wherewithal to cry out, save me. And notice Jesus' response. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He's God. He's God. I know that's simple. But we need to be reminded. He's God. When you and I go to a place of prayer and begin to talk to him. We're not throwing out words of hope that are just going somewhere emptily. When we go to a place of prayer and begin to cry out. The almighty God that set the sun in place is hearing our cry. When I go to a place and I call the name of Jesus, the very one that has set every star at his uttered word, hears my cry. He who has the ability to do more than I can imagine, hears my cry. Someone today, take heart. He still hears you. It's not hard for him. It's not difficult for him. I'm opening this altar to you today. He is here and he is present. And I hear and feel the Spirit of the Lord bidding you 
come. Let your eyes be turned away. Let your eyes be turned away from the storm and on Him afresh and anew. Let your faith be turned again to a God that is well able to deal with your circumstance and your situation. Come on, would you step in faith today? Would you step out of where you are in faith? I don't care how big the storm is. It's not bigger than he is. Would you step out in faith? Come on, I told you, you're going to have to step today. You're going to have to step today. This is the desire of the Lord. You've got to step in faith. I'm opening this altar. I know oftentimes we say you can pray where you are. But if you're believing the Lord for a miracle or a work in your life, I'm asking you to step out of where you are in faith. And let the Lord begin to minister into your situation. Let the Lord begin to minister into your circumstance. Let the Lord begin to minister into your life, into your family, into your body, into your spirit, into your soul. Let the Lord begin to minister there. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He's still God. He's still God. He's still God. There is no physical ailment that is too difficult for him. There is no marriage situation that is too difficult for him. There is no addiction that's too difficult for him. There isn't anything that is hard for God. He is well able. Jesus, we turn our eyes upon you. Jesus, we set our faith upon you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, talk with him and let the shepherd talk with you. Let the spirit of the Lord minister into your body, mind, soul, and spirit this morning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I may not see how. I may not understand why, but I trust you because you're God. I may not know the end, but you do. I may not see where it will go, but you do. You're in control, Lord. You work things out for my good. You will perfect that which concerns me. I have your word on which I stand today. Jesus, in your name. Your will and your work in every vessel. Your word accomplishing your desired end today. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, let his spirit minister into your heart this morning.
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He's still God. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. By your spirit and by your word, Lord. By your spirit and by your word, Lord. We trust in you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if you got faith today, you need to be praying with faith. Praying with faith. In the name of
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You walk 
with me through the fire. Oh, and heal all of my disease. Yes, I trust in you. I trust in you. I believe Hallelujah. that you're my Jesus healer. name. Keep praying. Keep talking to the Lord right there where you are. I'm going to ask the Escalera family to come here, please. In Jesus' name, keep praying. Keep talking to the Lord. We're going to pray for some people today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just stand over here. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Brother Reuben, can I ask you and Sister Vanessa to come, please? In Jesus' name. Brother Tim, would you come here, please? In the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus name. When we're just talking to the Lord, we're waiting on the Lord. We're going to pray for these couples here in a moment. Just want to, waiting on the Holy Ghost right here. We're going to pray for these couples. Sister Sally, I'd like you to please write right here if you would. In Jesus name. Gabriel and Sandra, I'd like you to come up here, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is here doing a work this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is doing a work here. Come on, He's still God. He is still God. It's not a work of men. We can't do it. It's God who is well able. He knows the desires of our heart toward Him. He knows the need of our life today. Let Him be God. Come on, let Him be God in your church. Get your eyes turned once again. Once again. Come on, if you're praying, if you're praying, pray for these people that are you see up here right now. The Lord is doing something. The Spirit of the Lord is doing a work.
Jesus, we worship you this morning. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. In the name of Jesus. 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 We will go through seasons in life. We will go through seasons. If I had my pick, it would always be fall. But it's not. The seasons are necessary. The seasons are necessary. Please hear. God controls the seasons. God controls them. As sure as the weather's starting to get cooler, as sure as the days are getting shorter, God controls that. And as sure as He controls what we see in the natural, I promise you He controls the spiritual seasons. And what you face and go through in life, if you'll just remember, God is in control of my seasons. I want your purpose in the season, Lord. I trust you. My faith today is in you, not in the season. My faith is in you, not in the circumstance. My faith is in you, not in the storm. My faith is in you, not in the report that's negative. My faith is in you, not in the news of the day. My faith is in you because you're God and you're well able. My faith is in you who cannot fail. I declare it today. My faith is in you, Lord Jesus. My faith is in you. My faith is in you. My faith is in you. Because you're God. Because you're God. You are the almighty God. The adversary always wants us to focus on him. His destruction, the things he brings, the problems that are a result of man's fall. He's always wanting attention. And he has a way, the adversary has a way of making the problem seem bigger than God. Anybody ever go fishing? There's a trick when you go fishing. If you haven't learned this already, you haven't fished very much. When you take a picture of your fish, some of you know this. Hold it out like that. Makes it look bigger. 
you hold it close, they can tell how big it is up against you. But if you hold it out, it looks bigger. It takes up more of the paper. That's what the adversary does with problems and circumstances and tries to make those things seem greater than God. Sometimes we just need to be reminded he's God. He's God. Is anything too hard for God? No. With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things Amen. I feel like I need to express this before you go. I had these four couples come up here. Um, don't be offended if I didn't ask you to come up. Please. They didn't get like special selection or something. Just simply responding to what I felt like the Holy Ghost was illuminating. He's still God say to all of you, and I say to you four couples, he's still God. He hasn't gotten weak. He hasn't lost any ability. His blood hasn't diminished. His stripes haven't stopped working. He's still God. And he's greater than what you're facing or what you may face. He's God. Aren't you thankful? We serve an almighty God. I pray today and in the week ahead. I pray there comes such revelation of who he is. I pray there comes such revelation of his greatness, his majesty, his glory, and his power. That you can boldly and I can boldly declare who but God can do such things as these that the world would know and see what our God can do. He is God. And we worship you, Jesus. We worship you today. We worship you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I feel faith today, don't you? That's why we got to be willing to receive. We just thank the Lord together before we go today. He's so good to us. He's so good to us. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Go with him today. Go with him. Greet someone. You are dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here this morning. Amen. Walk in this. Walk in this. Let His Spirit continue to work in you. In Jesus' name.